The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I want to share with you an amazing story, and I'll let you go. But this story is a wow. This is a wow. This is a legit wow. And you know me, I have an appetite with stories. So if I'm telling you it's a wow, this is something. I heard this directly from the guy that was in the crowd that Shabbat. We know that many of our wonderful men who are trying their best to keep ahead of their industries and be able to make a living, to be able to support their families and Torah and our wonderful community and Klal Yisrael. Many times they have to go out to China. And believe me when I tell you, I'm not a big advocate for them going out to China at all. And the guys in this shul know good and well that when they go, I'm on their case. I want them back before Shabbat, which many times it's very hard for them. Sometimes they have to go for a few weeks. But at the end of the day, they're out there. One guy tells me that he was there in China. And uh, he had no choice. He had to stay over Shabbat. He was in the crowd. They went to Lubavitch. Lubavitch over there, unbelievable. They put up hundreds. I'm talking hundreds of guys on Shabbat. Right? It's like it's a big crowd. Really, hundreds of guys. They feed him kosher, Shabbat meals. Everyone spent Shabbat in, in Chabad, in Lubavitch. So he says that he was there in the crowd. And by the meal, an Israeli rabbi stands up. And he had this long beard. And he smiles to the crowd. And he says to the crowd, I want to tell everybody a story. I want to tell you a story about an Israeli commando. He says it was a birion. He was a powerhouse guy. Big guy. Big guy. He says this guy, he was in one of the top elite groups in Israel in the IDF. But you know, at the end of five years after they serve, they give them a year chofish. A year vacation. On the cheshbon of the Medina. On the cheshbon of El Al. And they'll fly him out to anywhere in the world they want. And in that year, a lot of them, we lose. And in that year, a lot of them fall very far. Well, it happens to be that this commando Israeli, this big Biryong, his five years were up, and he decided he's going to India. What is in India? But he's going. So he gets on to El Al, they fly him out to India, He's now there with his duffel bag, with his stuff. And now he starts to take on the life in India. And he's loving it. It's an adventure. He's making friends. He's meeting new people. And it's like he feels like a celebrity there. They love the Israelis there, so to speak. And sure enough, one night, he bumps into a woman, Goya, from India, by the name of Sonia. Very attractive woman. Someone who he started to date. And little by little, he actually moved in with her. Sonia tells him, I waited my whole life to meet you. And he really fell for her. And he said to himself, Why do I have to go back to Israel? This is great. I found a person that I love. I found a country that's wonderful. Who needs it? And he started living in India with the mindset that he's going to stay. This went on for a few months. Now he realized that this woman, Sonia, she was an interesting lady where she had a very interesting side to her. She would go out, she'd disappear all day, and she'd come back at night. And he would ask her, what do you do? And every time he'd ask her what she did, she'd avoid the question. 
She wouldn't really go into detail. Till finally one night he kind of broke her. He insisted. I want to know right now, what are you into? What do you do? And she says, I'll tell you. But I hope it doesn't scare you. She is the head of this cult that's all over India. She travels all day going from one cult, one house of their cult, to the next, to the next, to the next. She's like the grand grandma of the whole cult. And they all follow her. He said to her, what? They follow you? You mean you have all these Hasidim, he called it? All these Hasidim following you? I didn't know you were such a celebrity. She says, yes, I have over a thousand people in India in my cult that follows me. Really, what do they do? They worship me. Wow, they worship you. She says, yeah. He says, well, I, I, I want to understand, he tells her. Does that mean that you have different types of koach and power? She says, absolutely. He says, oh, very nice. Conversation goes from one thing to the next. And as a joke, one day he says to her, if I ever leave you, how would you survive? And she starts to laugh, but a hideous laugh, like the wicked witches of the West laugh. Like, <laughs> you know that laugh. And she says, you're never going to leave me. You can't. If you try to leave me, you'll see what's going to happen to you. Now, when he heard those words, he broke out in a sweat. He made a joke out of it, of course, and let it roll. But deep down, that really wugged him out. About a month or so later, it was coming to the end of the year. And he started thinking to himself, like the neshama of a Jew, Mani Asepo, what am I doing here? What am I, crazy? You know, in the beginning, everything is new, it's fresh, it's challenging, it looks very alluring. But after that, when you look a little deeper, skin deep, you realize, Huli, what am I doing here? What's going on? What am I, out of my mind? I've got to get back to Israel. I don't belong here. And I definitely don't belong with this G. I've got to get out of here. So one day he waited for Sonia to leave, to spend her day doing her rounds. And this Israeli guy... He went and grabbed his duffel bag and all his stuff and he cleared out the house, took all his stuff with him, jumped into a taxi and made a beeline for the airport. The time she comes home, he already made the hezbon. The time she comes home, he's already going to be by the gate and he'll be boarding on the next El Al flight back to Israel. He gets to the airport. He goes through security. He comes up to the gate. Everything is good. An hour or so later, Sonia comes home. She looks around and she realizes that the guy cleared out all his stuff. He took all his stuff and he's gone. She turned to the staff of the house and she said to him, what happened to the... They said, he ran. We heard him saying to the taxi to go to the airport. She said, ah, he thinks he could leave me. She closes her eyes. And she starts to say certain incantations. And as she starts mumbling the words, here is this Israeli guy by the gate in the airport. And out of nowhere, he starts to shake into convulsions. The guy falls on the floor and he's screaming. He's screaming in front of a whole crowd of people. And he's yelling and screaming, let go of me! Azovoti, let go of me! And he's screaming in pain! 
People were looking at them. What happened to this guy? Crazy guy. They came running. They called the airport security. They brought him. They, 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 they brought in a doctor. They checked out the guy. Nothing. But he wouldn't start shaking. He wouldn't stop screaming. Finally, they said, let's take him to a hospital. The guy says, no. Get me out of this country. They said, but sir, look at you. He said, I'll sign anything you want. Just get me out of the country. I'm begging you. Carry me onto the plane. So the security of India and the, and the airport decided, you know what? Better idea. He's right. Why should it be our problem? Ship him off to Israel. He's an Israeli. It's their problem. So they carried him. They physically carried him through the exit and they plopped him on his seat. Goodbye. They closed the doors and the guy, the whole flight, was screaming. He was yelling in pain. And the stewardess came and this one and that. They called ahead to a hospital, an ambulance. They called ahead to the guy's parents. The plane lands in Ben-Gurim. And the security comes on and carries the guy off. This guy was a big guy. They bring him out into the ambulance. His parents was waiting for him there. They took him out to one of the hospitals. I think it was Tel Hashomer. They took him out to one of the hospitals. And they had a whole team of doctors waiting to hear what is with this guy. And they started doing bidikot and bidikot and all different types of tests. Every test you could imagine from MRIs to blood tests to blood work. They couldn't find a thing. And the guy just wouldn't stop shaking in convulsions. This went on for months. And one day, a religious Lubavitcher doctor who worked in the hospital walks into the room and he walks up to this guy's father and he says to him, Tishma, I know that you're not religious. But I am telling you, we did every medical test that there is to do. There's nothing wrong with your son. It makes no sense What's going on with him? And he's screaming in such pain that even the drugs we're giving him doesn't quell the pain. Your son doesn't need a doctor. Your son needs a rabbi. The guy says, Ma, rabbi, is a rabbi. What are you talking about? He says, my, my. He says, I'm telling you, your son, this is not a physical, this is a spiritual makkah. I'm telling you. Take him to a rabbi. So the father says, I don't believe in rabbis. I don't believe in God. I don't believe. He says, I understand, but what options do you have? Look at the kid. He's suffering. Take him to a rabbi. He says, okay, who should I take him to? He says. So this guy was a Lubavitcher doctor. He says, get on the first flight. Fly to the United States. Go to Brooklyn. Go to Eastern Parkway. Go to 770. And take him to the Lubavitcher Rebbe Zechet Tzadik Lebracha. And the father said, okay, you know, the Israelis, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, they heard of. Every, who didn't hear of the Lubavitcher Rebbe? It doesn't mean you're, you're religious, you're not religious. I mean, everybody knew. Regardless, you're religious or not, you had the picture of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in your falafel store. Everyone did, right? I mean, where, where, right? You ever been to Israel? Uh, right? If you didn't know better, you'd think uh, unbelievable. Lubavitcher Rebbe was an unbelievable tzaddik. He reached everybody. You have to hear this. They carried the guy back onto the plane. El Al took him to JFK. The father and his commando, shaking in pain, literally went from the airport straight to Eastern Parkway, and they come in that night to 770. And the Rebbe was at the end of a Farbringen, and he was classically giving out his dollar bills. As everybody went around handing each person another dollar bill and another dollar bill. And this father didn't know what was going on. All he sees is that there's this big 
this big round robin that's going around, this merry-go-round that's going around in circles. So he decided to get on line, and him and his son, and he's holding, the son can't stand. He's holding up his son, and he's shaking, and he's pushing, and he's, and he's screaming, and he's yelling, and people are looking like, whoa, what in the world? So they let him go up. He brings his son right in front of Lubavitcher Rebbe as he's handing out dollar bills. And the Rebbe looks up and looks at this Israeli commando. And he says, one pasuk in Torah, Mahashefa lo Mahashefa means a witch and witchcraft. Lo Do not allow them to live. Kill them. The minute he said that pasuk in Torah, this guy drops to the floor and he gives a scream. And after that yell, he opens his eyes. He gets up and he looks at his father and he says, Ma nachno simpo? Who are these Hasidim? What are we doing here? And the father looks at the guy. And he looks at his son. And they say that the Lubavitcher Rebbe just smirked. That wasn't even say a word. And the guy went back to Israel. The guy comes back to Israel and he's as good as new. And the family couldn't believe it. And this family was clearly not going to be Chiloni anymore. But they saw an open miracle. One rabbi, one pasuk in Torah, you're untouchable. You're immortal. You're Klal Israel. You're above everything else as long as Torah enters your life. This Israeli commando, he gets on the phone and he calls India and he starts schmoozing with his old friends that he made in the past year. And people start, hey, what happened to you? We heard they carried you out of the airport. We heard they had to carry you on the plane. We heard in Israel you were yelling and screaming for months. People thought you were dead. They thought you were dead. What happened to you? He says, well, thank God I'm better now. Tell me, what's going on with Sonia? He asks them. And they say, uh, you mean you didn't hear? He says, no. What happened? He says, a little bit over a month, month and a half ago, she got into a terrible accident and she died. He said, wait, 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 what day was that? And they come back to the day, calculated to the day he was standing in front of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And at the moment, the Rebbe said, Mahasheva, Shefa, was the moment that she was gone. Because nothing could go up against our Torah. It's the greatest protection of anything and everything. This Israeli rabbi, big smiles now, looks at the crowd in China, hundreds and hundreds of guys, their jaws dropped listening to this story. And he looks at them with a smile and he says, do you know how I know this story? Because I was the guy. I was the guy. Ah, what Torah is. Magne o matzle. It doesn't matter if it comes from the north, if it comes from the east. What matters is one thing. Do we have a Torah lifestyle in our homes? Do we have the great shield of the Torah Haggadoshah? Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.